And welcome back to another Operation Opera podcast. Elisa and I had a chance to chat about the trending topic of late, Me Too. Enjoy. I'm just looking, actually, because I realized I got involved in it without knowing the extent of Harvey Weinstein's stuff. And so I'm just looking at that right now. Mm -hmm. I've found a People magazine article. And I guess it has about 60 people. Legitimate. No, it is not. Oh, wow. 60 people. Well, let's see. I've only gotten to number four so far. Oh, I'm sure it is. But you know what's weird is victims don't often speak out or it takes something big like this happening. You know, it takes one person to speak out before others will. And I think, you know, I can't remember how you went about it on Facebook, but I... When I saw my sisters had both two of my two older sisters had both posted me too. And I was like, what? And so then one of my sisters had written in the, in a comment below, if you've been the victim of sexual assault, then, you know, paste this or post this as your status. And so I did, but, and I knew it was something related to Harvey Weinstein, but I didn't really know much about it. I mean, it's the same old story, right? Yeah, I, doubt I mean, it's honestly, be that's, yeah, that's why I, I'm like, well, you know, I don't really know, need to know all of the details, but I'm, I'm happy to, you know, to jump on this and say, well, yeah, and, and, you know, this is, this is where the birth of empathy begins is when, is when we say me too, and, and when we mean it, and when we have a reason to. So, yeah, yeah. I am. Um, and I, I was thinking, within the context of, like, our profession, right, as performers, like, how this can be such a tricky thing um, as women too. Although I know that it also definitely happens with men. Um, But yeah. You know what's interesting is that um, just sort of our position in society and the scripting that is part of um, our socialization Causes us to be so it's interesting actually because so we're opera singers right which means we no. don't have to play second fiddle to anyone because <laughs> we're the divas right and we're the prima donnas um, but really the it's women that we're portraying well. yes <laughs> right and the women that but the women even if even if we get those leading roles the women that we're portraying often are stuck in those same sort of um, Victor societal but you know what yeah. honestly honestly exactly. this is one of the reasons why i wanted to be an opera singer uh, not not just because the heroines that i am most interested in in opera are very very strong but also because being an opera singer you know i mean partly it was looked at as you know like one notch above being a prostitute you know for a very long time but um Mm-hmm. But there was still a sense of autonomy yeah, with this profession because you were making your own living, essentially, right? And and there's mm-hmm. something about that that was just very alluring to me. Um, it's kind of funny because it's like, how did anyone ever make any money? This? But, um, <laughs> <laughs> but, 
But yeah. um, no, no, no. I mean, but there, it's, you know, just times and seasons. But I was thinking about, but yeah, when it comes to the heroines themselves, actually, that I'm most drawn to are often in victim situations, but they themselves are heroic. You know, the, probably the best example and the one that comes to mind most, you know, quickly is Tosca. She's, yeah. right? I mean, she's put into this position of, hey, sleep with me and I'm going to let your boyfriend go. And right, so she kills him. Ta-da! <laughs> um, solve Another that option. problem, you know? <laughs> Just done. <laughs> yeah, he didn't lay that option out, but no. somehow, it, yeah, it still still worked for her. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I but but yeah, but you were saying. But I think, especially in the repertoire that you sing, there are a lot of these victims, right? It's it's all of these forlorn mm-hmm. women waiting to be sort of rescued, or mm-hmm. and because of their, as you were saying, you know, your position in society, you didn't have the option of being your own voice, of being your own um, breadwinner, of being your own uh, person. Mm-hmm. essentially right yeah um well you know what's okay so so there are many this this whole theme sort of operate operates on multiple levels right so we have the characters who are written you know back in whenever the opera was written sometime between the middle of the 1700s and current but most of it you know in the 1800s and early 20th century um well, and I, I shouldn't say that, actually. Most of it between in the 1700s, 1800s, and early 20th century. That's the, the bulk of what we perform regularly, right? Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, you got the outliers like Monteverdi and like... Right, but he know. was still in the, mid, in the middle of the 1600s. Oh, you're saying, yeah, and out, like he's not in the 1700s. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, and whatever was going on, you know with those plot lines and with those stories, it was reflect reflective of what was, what was part of society of the, t- at the time. Mm-hmm. Right. And, um, sorry, I'm a little bit scattered actually, cause I just was glancing at this and I'm just kind of, uh, this article and I'm just kind of like a little blindsided right now. So I'm like trying mm. to gather my thoughts. I know it's crazy. Um, but, uh, and then we have like, the women who are going to portray these roles and, you know, be held up as divas or prima donnas or whatever, but then still subject themselves to sort of, and be a strong, you know, be strong within that role, but it's, you're still playing that role where you are essentially the victim. Mm-hmm. And then we also have um, kind of what I'm, what I'm understanding from this Harvey Weinstein story is that um, like Kate Beckinsale says he approached her, he propositioned her when she was 17 and she, you know, um, rebutted. She would not go along with it. And she says it hurt her career. So so then we have within our own industry, right? The casting couch, maybe not so much as it is in music theater or something like that. But so then, but we do, we do know a lot of stories of of women who I was going to say sopranos, maybe it is just sopranos. I don't know. I don't know if mezzos. Uh, I don't know. Anyway, but um, sleeping. We should with have a guest. We should have a mezzo guest. Gigs, and, and right? say, Please tell us about the you know uncomfortable sexual experiences you've had with you know directors and such. No, no. We should yeah. Yeah. Who knows? But I mean, 
yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it's any different, but, but, you know, we've heard these stories and I've, I've heard of actually, yeah, I can think of a mezzo now, a really famous mezzo who I didn't know until recently really kind of slept her way to the top. Hmm. And so it's, it's a thing, you know, and it's, it's effective, right? Like these, these wiles that we have, we can use for our own power, right? Like the the thing that comes to mind for me is one of the first roles that I did was Popea, which is Monteverdi from the middle of the 1700 or the 1600s. Um, uh, and she completely used her sexuality to gain power, you know, and eventually ultimate power. And she seduced the emperor of Rome, you know, and was able to achieve this status based on her beauty and her seductiveness. And it's just so interesting, right? Because where does it, where do, where do we draw the line between like, it's great to be beautiful and it's great to have, um, I don't know. Beauty is wonderful, right? Beauty is something that we celebrate Mm -hmm. and we sort of talk about the masculine and the feminine in terms of the feminine being more about form and the masculine being more about function. Mm-hmm. And, and so there's sort of this expectation and, and ideally any, any creation um, that is truly beautiful will have both elements within it, right? It will sort of have a balance and not be one or the other. But this idea of sleeping with a conductor to get a role is kind of like <laughs> using your form to function for you. I, I don't know. It's right. It's. <laughs> I find it fascinating. You know, I just think it's so interesting that we start off our, our conversation, right? Talking about, you know, being a victim and then we have switched into talking about it as being, you know, the power that we possess to maybe, you know, wield uh, someone's decision-making. Right. And it's so interesting because Like that's something that I've never really understood or if I have understood it, I haven't ever like, you know, gone there, at least not, not consciously. Mm -hmm. Um, I remember though, I remember being, I have, (laughs) (laughs) I'm just going to put that out there, you know, just going to say, yep, I've used that. Yep. (laughs) I, uh, I, I was on a gig and I became very good friends uh, with, I'm just going to say, with a person who was in a position of power. And I remember going to his trailer one evening to chat with him about like what was going on and, you know, how, you know, things were going and we had become friends. And I remember as I was leaving the trailer, his, he was... He, it was getting late and he was getting ready for bed and like he went over to his bed and he started making his bed and I opened the door to leave and there were like two or three people um, who were on this, on this gig outside of the door because we were out in the boonies, you know, and everyone's just, you know, at a camp. Yeah. And, uh, and I remember just sitting there, you know, and leaving him like, all right, bye. See you later. You know, as he's like pulling his covers back to get into his bed and I'm just thinking, oh man, this looks really bad. (laughs) And, and the next day, uh, one of my girlfriends, uh, you know, came up to me and she's like, Hey, what's, what's going on with you? And so, and so, and I'm like, what, uh, what, 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 what do you mean? What's going on? And, you know, because we were very close, we were very good friends and, um, and he was someone who was, who was very kind and, and very helpful. 
um, toward me. And it was so interesting because there was so much chatter, you know, and noise surrounding that sort of relationship or non-relationship. And I actually think that it, it hurt, it did hurt my career eventually, at least, well, career. It hurt my performance um, at this, at, I'm trying to be so vague, at, um, <laughs> at this gig <laughs> because because that friendship was was a really nice friendship but um because he was in a position of power uh he decided to give a performance that would have been a very good performance to a different singer and it's so mm. interesting because i remember being very you know I was I was mad. I really was mad, you know. And part of me wondered, like, is it because I wasn't willing to to sort of entertain or to go to that place or whatever? And I really I did. I wondered about that for a long time. We, we remain very dear friends, um, but but that was an experience that was you know something sort of telling for me as far as like you know the importance of knowing where your boundaries are, knowing. Um, how to be professional and be, you know, a good colleague without giving somebody, you know, the wrong idea or without, you know, allowing yourself to become too caught up in summer camp, which is right, which is sort of what a lot of these, these um, performances away, you know, these, um, yeah, fest contracts or whatever, like you, you go off and you're, you, you are in a different world for six or eight weeks. And so how do you keep yourself grounded in that time? Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Was that way, like, just super vague and, like, didn't make any sense? No. No? Okay, good. Not at all. (laughs) I just want to understand. So this this friend of yours, who was also in a position of power, was maybe interested in you, and you were not, you didn't reciprocate? No, it wasn't. You didn't give a he didn't give you a performance no i mean yeah so basically what it was is that you know because we were good friends and i i had said oh the conductor said that i would be getting this performance and and he was like oh we'll we'll see about that and i remember being like wait why why what are you talking about and there were just a lot of there were there was a lot of emotions you know um yeah 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 Hmm. because you know you you care about people and again when you're on an island and you're there to just work you yeah right i mean hmm. yeah i don't know yeah maybe this is a terrible story and we should just no i'm just trying but... to yeah no i mean <laughs> it's true when you're in when you're in that environment your world can become incredibly small you know and sort of <laughs> the people who are around you, it's like they're the only people who exist during that time, you know, and yeah. so it's like, sort of like, like you say, like this island and suddenly, you know. Uh, and yeah, keeping your perspective you just, is so important. And I and I feel like it's something that, you know, people come up against all the time in, in these sorts of things. I remember at that same, you know, during that same time, there was this young couple and they'd sort of found each other during during this time and they were like, way to go and like be together for the first time. And I was just thinking, it's just, it seems so tragic to me because it, it will end. And then you have these memories of something that, 
you know, cannot change and or cannot be. And that, I don't know, that just seems really, really hard to me. Yeah, it is. It is an interesting thing. Um, and there have been times, actually, this is so interesting. Uh, <laughs> this is a this is this is a very interesting topic. The more that I think about it, the more that I find that it really is. There's so much there. And I, I think back to past productions and there was one in particular that's coming to mind right now where I don't actually want to get too specific either. Because, I know, right? It's like, this is really delicate but, stuff, people. But at, the same, <laughs> but at the same time, we are victims, you know, and we don't want to speak out. That's happening right now in real time. And that is, that's one of the big issues is that we don't want to speak out. But I, there was a, a man who was in a position of power and that he was in a leading role, right? And I was kind of in this glorified chorus role where I had, I, I don't even remember, just like some sort of featured part, but no, like it wasn't a role. And um, and he took a liking to me and he was a married man. And, and I was flattered by his attention because he was good looking and he was talented and, you know, and he, he wanted to give me rides places and he wanted to take me out for my birthday and just like things that were sort of like, okay, like, okay, I guess a married man could do that with a young, much younger single woman. And it would be kind of like passed off as a, a gesture of goodwill or friendship or whatever. But it was, there, there was definitely a line crossed. Hmm. Um, and, and even, yeah, I just, it, it's crazy actually to me where like, where do you draw the line between being, being sort of gracious or friendly and flattered, you know, by someone's attention or by someone's compliments or whatever. Um, and, and just being like, no. Like that's going too far. I, we, I mean, I had this experience with you just no. when I was, when I was at your, at your house, staying with you in LA at, back in, I think it was January. And I went out on a couple of dates with a guy oh, I met yeah, online. I remember. And, okay. it, <laughs> and okay. I was just, I mean, the thing is, it was like at first the, the, the compliments seemed very sincere and I was very flattered but then when he started kissing me aggressively and talking to me about things he wanted to do to me on our second date, and I was just like, no. Like, yeah. I just said to him, like, I I did sort of get a little bit stern and a little bit cold toward him because how else do you communicate with men? You know, they need direct communication. There's all this hinting around things that women do. It doesn't actually work. Men need someone to tell them exactly what they want and what, you know, how it's going to be. They don't need, you know, sort of this coy, you know, blushing. But it's true, though. That's what like we do. Everything, everything in opera? You mean like... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. That, that, you mean so that I doesn't do, work? <laughs> so I, I, and I do feel like I've been conditioned. Hmm. I had, I was telling you, and I don't know, maybe this is too personal to put on the podcast. I don't know, but I was telling you that after I, I mean, Brett, my brand new husband of four days. Yay! Uh, Congratulations! Hey. <laughs> you Thank got you. married a few mornings hey. ago. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> so um, so he he saw my status update on on Facebook, the Me Too 
mm-hmm. and and he you know was concerned hmm. and and I just thought to myself like but that's everybody yeah like, uh, I don't I yes. just can't, I can't I don't think I've had a woman who couldn't post me too yeah and it's not about exaggerating or you know what I mean or trying to put yourself in the victim role it's just about being a woman and you experience it to varying degrees and maybe there are people in the world who live in remote places or some, but I really doubt it. I think it's just the way that, that men and women are socialized to behave around one another. And, um, and so I started to tell Brett some of the stories where for me, they were stories that even though at the time, cause they happened over 15 years ago, mm-hmm. um, at the time I was angry and I was, I felt very violated and, um, it was a disgusting experience, mm-hmm. but for me, they, they were experiences that were so cut and dried, the fault of the other person. I didn't do anything to deserve those things. And so it, on a certain level, it was easier for me to talk about them. Whereas in more recent experience, say five years ago, um, when I was single in New York and I found myself in positions where men took liberties that were not that I did not approve of and I and I told them as much and yeah. they did not they did not respect me and uh, this is the first time that I had ever shared those experiences was with with Brett mm-hmm. um actually just a couple of days ago while we were on our honeymoon and I was very very timid to do so mm. because a part of me felt ashamed, like I was to blame in some part, hmm. um, because I had allowed myself to be in a certain situation. But the fact of the matter is, I said no, and that should have been respected, you know. Yeah. And so, and so, it was, it was a really extreme situation, actually, and one and one that that filled me with a lot of shame. And I think that that happens with victims of rape and sexual assault um, because of our quote unquote rape culture that we talk about now where, Oh, well you were dressed a certain way or, you know, you deserved it because dot, dot, dot. And the fact of the matter is if it's not consensual, it's not consensual. And it doesn't matter what got a person into the situation that they're in of course we should all be safe and we should take measures to protect ourselves and we shouldn't be foolish at the same time, like talking about that for the first time this past weekend helped me to helped me to recognize that it's not your fault. Well, yeah, I mean, that's a huge part of it. And also the fact that I had been blaming myself for it and taking responsibility that wasn't mine. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's a, it's a really big deal. And honestly, I didn't know, I didn't know exactly how Brett was going to respond. I mean, we, we, we know each other (laughs) and I feel like obviously I know him well enough to decide to marry him. But when it comes to stuff like this, I mean, this is really, I, I mean, maybe you can comment, but I feel like our more liberal friends are going to side with the victims more. Our more conservative friends, unfortunately, subscribe to more of the rape culture mm-hmm. and are going to say, they're going to assign part of the blame to the victim. 
Interesting. What, what would you, I mean, what would you, um, maybe so. I don't know. I mean, I consider myself to be, you know, pretty moderate, um, but maybe slightly more conservative. Um, and I certainly, I mean, but it's like what you said, like, you know, when a line is crossed and you know that you have made it clear that, that this is, this is not okay, then that's a, you know, that, that there's a demarcation, then, then somebody has taken away your ability to choose, right? Like, and, and, and that's a different thing. Um, I mean, I had my first sort of experience of being, um, sexually, uh, assaulted, I guess, when I was like seven years old. Um, and because of that experience became very, very aware of, of my own body and the world and sort of people's interactions, like on a, on a very sort of subconscious level. Um, and yeah. And I think like as, you know, as terrible as those things are, it is for me, I believe it is sort of part of the human experience as awful as that is. And I don't ever wish it for anyone, but I think to some extent, because like, I, I, so I have, right. I have a son who's two and a half, my two and a half year old son loves to hold hands and loves to like pet people. <laughs> like, you know, he, like he's in his stroller and we stroll up to another kid. And if it's a girl, he like leans over and holds her hand. Like that's what he does. He's very affectionate. Aww. And like, if you're sitting next to him, um, on the couch, you know, if you're watching a movie or something, he'll like pet my face and he'll say, Oh mom, you know, and he says, mommy's so tired, you know, because usually I am, um, <laughs> or, uh, you know, something like, like he's, he's very, very, uh, sensory aware, right. Or that, that's not really a thing. Uh, he's very, just very sensitive and he's very tactile. And I know that I need to teach my son from a very young age about, what kind of touch is okay and what kind of touch is not okay you know i need to teach him like you can't just walk up to people and like put your hand in their shirt you can't do that (laughs) like you know and and um but but i think about that and i think about you know the examples that people have had and you know you talk about and i think about it like when it comes to when it comes to like in performances and working with people like people will say and do things that are inappropriate and many times it's because they just make a mistake and you just kind of have to let it go and just be like oh that person said something totally inappropriate i mean one of my best friends like before we had become really close like when we were first sort of interacting said all kinds of like lewd things to me and I just remember thinking, like, this guy has no clue <laughs> what he's saying right now. And 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 whatever. I'm going to just let it go because I think he's just sort of nervous when he's talking to me. So I'm just going to let it go. And we'll actually, like, you know, become actual friends once you get beyond all of whatever that is that's happening. Um, but, but, yeah, you have to have, you know, you do have to sort of look look beyond it because there are base reactions that we have, right? Like base reactions that, 
that are a part of human nature, that are a part of, and it's important to recognize them and it's important to acknowledge them, but it's also important to recognize that that is the initial, that that is the instinct, that that is the animal, that that is the, um, the starting place. And, and potentially it's the starting place of connectivity right? Like it's the starting place of connection. It's the starting place of like, there's something about this person that I am attracted to. And very often, I think that that those feelings are actually meant to be something that connects us to people on a level that is sustainable, if that makes sense. Like, um, because sexuality, um, especially for people who are married such as us like it's that's not a mm. that's not a um sustainable thing in within a working relationship or you know within friendships like you have to you have to build actual like love and and that requires a little bit more time and effort and um and care i guess is does any of that make any sense i don't know if that makes any sense yeah, no. I think, I think I want to <laughs> <laughs> You're like, Rachel, what did you No, no, not at all. <laughs> I, this is just, I, I think I just like my thoughts on this topic are not fully baked yet. I feel like they're, it's just so brand new. Like I'm, I'm grateful for this me too thing that happened on, on Facebook and sort of got me thinking and got me talking um, about some of these things. Um, it, and it's interesting. So, so the, the Harvey Weinstein thing, mm-hmm. and I mean, it could be him, it could be oh my Bill gosh. Clinton, it, it could doesn't, be I mean, whoever, whomever. right. But someone using their power to try to get what they want, which essentially it is connection. That's what he's looking for. And, and connection, whether it be you know, emotional or intellectual or spiritual or physical um, or sexual. I imagine it's mostly all... it's physical, but you, physical is usually a gateway into something more or it can be sort of like... It you know... can be, but it can also not be. But it can be sort of, you know, when people are scraping for some kind of connection, you know, and he was a married man, you know, for a lot of these, um, I don't know his exact history. I've, I'm just still doing a little bit of piecemeal research, but, um, you know, so he had, he had the ability to connect with his partner, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. In theory, <laughs> but, and yet he sought, he sought connection outside of that. And, and I think that we do ultimately want to be connected to, to everyone. You know what I mean? Like we do sort of have that and and particularly to people with whom we we have things in common and you know like we we feel connected and we want that connection to to deepen and um but the way to go about that is not through sexual exploits well, i don't know any time you are wielding your power to control or to manipulate another person uh, to me, that's bad. Like, I just think that that's, that's just not a good idea. Like, and yeah, I mean, to some extent we probably do it all the time, but yeah, like, yeah, the, 
there is like what I think of the the so the word virtue right is something that I feel like the definition of is in our culture and in our current sort of time in life is something that isn't really understood or even you know talked about and I, I think about this a lot when it comes to portraying the heroines of yesteryear like what does it mean to be a wronged woman like what does it mean to be you know, because do we even have a context for that in today's society like what does it mean to be um unable unable to um you know i lost it it's gone the train left um sorry <laughs> um, what does it mean to to have virtue like that's something i think about a lot like uh to keep to keep what you have like the beauty that you have and that power and to use it in a way that gives people a sense of freedom and love and acceptance when you are with them rather than the desire to um consume if that makes sense hmm yeah like there's a there's a big difference um you know, mm. one one can lead to connection that is that is incredible, and the other, um, I mean, once you've consumed something, then it's it's gone. <laughs> yeah, and I think, yeah, I think, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I I actually made a study of this very thing about a month ago, a little over a month ago, um, and virtue is kind of like self-respect hmm. it's understanding your own integrity and being true to that yeah and integrity. And, there's another one we don't know what the meaning of it is anymore yeah. yeah so right being true to yourself and that is where your power lies so it has to be enough it has to be enough right right now and otherwise there is always sort of that that grasping and and that yearning for to consume and to have more um and I feel like virtue is what what gives us that confidence and that flow of of just being being present in the moment and being able to take life as it comes you know and love what is in your life feel gratitude and just have that sort of be enough even though you're still you still are working and, and striving and, um, you know, trying to be the best person that you can and, and following those parts of yourself that you feel like you want to grow. You're sort of pursuing those things, but at the same time, loving what you are now accepting self-acceptance and, and self-respect for sure. Mm-hmm. Well, I, th- I feel like virtue is actual power, like true yeah. power. Because, I mean, I had this experience once where a dear friend came to do a gig. Um, he was singing at Alley Opera and he came out um, and he was someone that I went to school with. And it's actually really funny because it was when my husband and I were first dating. He was like, I went out on a date with you both. <laughs> it was really funny. But that was not the story I was going to tell. Um, the story I was going to tell is that when when he and I, we hung out one night and we went and got ice cream somewhere or something. And he, and he said, he said, you know what I really like about you, Rachel? I never have to worry 
about anything happening. And I remember thinking like, well, that's kind of a weird thing to say, but that's cool. <laughs> like, um, and, and I remember thinking like, what, is it, what, do you really, what do you mean by that? Like, doesn't have to worry about anything happening. And, and I thought about that a lot. And I think it's because, you know, he, he knew, I mean, and first off, right, I don't drink. So like, you know, there's no like, oh, the wine got to me, you know, <laughs> that, that like doesn't happen with me, one. And two, um, like, there's just this very, for me, a very clear demarcation. Like you, he, he was in a committed relationship with someone and I had just started dating someone and basta così, you know, it's like, and you're my friend and I care about you and, and you care about me and, and, you know, you connect with someone and, and you spend time with them and you talk about things and, you know, y- you connect on a level that is, that is deeper because you actually care, right? Yeah. And, and I, and I think, um, and I think we forget that that actually is really satisfying. Um, it can also be painful, but but it's really satisfying in the sense that you then create something that you're never ashamed of. Yeah. Um, you know, you're never you never have a feeling of like, oh well, I guess I you know can never see that person again because of x y and z and it's like well that that would yeah. just be terrible and you you're know? running away yeah. essentially or hiding yeah yeah i think yeah virtue another definition i found is virtue is personal peace interesting so yeah so like not only not means. the the grasping but also not the running away so not the consumption and also not the regret. Well, yeah, because neither one of those things is um, is going to serve you or anyone else, right? Like, and I think this happens for people in relationships all the time, you know, like I need this and if I hold on tight enough, maybe then it'll stay. And like that doesn't, that doesn't work, right? Um yeah. Yeah. Or running away from it, which is which is also not awesome. But um I've been yeah, so so with this whole me too thing, I've been very surprised at how many people actually posted experiences that they'd had. I'm just like, "Holy cow, I I just Oh yeah, I I like, noticed that too. I actually didn't have a chance to read many of them. Yeah. Um But yeah, tell me about that. Um I mean, you want me to like tell you what I read? No, well, I mean, no. if you, whatever, whatever, no, just, yeah. I mean, just how you, just, you brought it up. So oh, else? that's true. I did yeah. bring it up. That's true. I yeah, should probably just, like unpack yeah, it a little bit. Look. Yeah. Good yeah. call. <laughs> so, yeah, like some people talking about first date experiences with someone who was like, well, I took you out, so you owe me, blah, 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 you know, and, uh, yeah. you know, people saying things about, you know, being harassed at work or whatever. I mean, if I if I'd kept a log of how many times my boss like had said things to me that was like, you know, like totally inappropriate. But the thing is, I feel like you just kind of have to look at people for where where they are instead of where you want them to be and instead of where, you know, but then again, is that me like you know, saying, oh, I'm the victim and, and I should be responsible. Is that me, like, buying into the rape culture? 
only slightly, only slightly, but I think you're doing it from a a place of compassion. I think that definitely though, like the line has to be drawn. And if somebody is saying something, uh, that's already bad, but if they do something that's worse, you know? And so (laughs) it's, it's interesting. I don't know. I, Another, sorry, you're in the middle of something. I don't want to bring up something different. No, no, I don't. Okay. Was I? I... We'll circle back. We'll circle back. (laughs) We always do. That's right. Layer them. Layer layer the conversation. Spirally conversations. Um, (laughs) So I think about, you know, within the last few years, um, feminists have really brought attention to the fact that often when we talk to little girls, we talk to them about their appearance, even as women. You know, it's not just the men doing it. Oh, dude, I have too. a story about this. Oh, if I haven't shared look, this with you, then I I have a story about this, but go on. Yeah, you look you look so pretty. Oh, that's a pretty dress. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, and it's it surrounds those things, right? Whereas with boys, we don't do that. We do it still a little bit. We'll say, oh, you look handsome today. Or, you know, if they're dressed up for Sunday for church or something, you know, oh, you look handsome. But for the most part, our compliments for little girls surround their appearance and so we get them very like you said from the time you were seven right you were aware and I definitely was by that age I feel like I was aware by the time I was I mean I was cutting my tank tops um to make them look more like bras when I was like four so I was like I was trying <laughs> boy that was yeah, never that was it. never me oh man yeah. that was never I me. know we're I, a little we're a little different, a little different in that way yeah <laughs> I mean I did but, chase a first grader when I was in kindergarten on the tan bark and I totally like tackled him and kissed him on the cheek and then he ran away screaming like a girl because he was so scared of me because I liked him oh Oh, I totally pinned guys down on the playground (laughs) there's one in particular I remember but uh Ryan Haas you know who you are I'm just kidding but uh shout out (laughs) but no I remember my neighbor across the street when I was like 12 probably maybe I was only 11 but I think I was around 12 which is such a tender age Um, And I remember him coming over and he hadn't seen me in, I don't know, uh, maybe some weeks or months or something. And he looked at my chest and said, oh, you're developing. (laughs) And it's like, that is not really sexual assault. At the same time, it is inappropriate. And it made me feel so mortified in that moment. I was just like, ugh. Like this man who's probably, I mean, he was probably in his 30s or something, but he seemed ancient to me, you know what I mean? Because I was 11. Oh my gosh, wait. Oh, I thought it was like your 12-year-old neighbor. Sorry, I missed that part. I thought it was someone who was only a year older than you. Ew, gross. That's yucky. Yeah. That's why I didn't I react very much. I was and like, oh, he's 12, but, but I, he no. He was like, celebrate puberty. Ew, like, ew. Like, You know, like he thought it was, he wasn't trying to be gross, but it was gross. Well, yeah, because you, know? you, and so don't, I think you don't in want that anyone case, to notice like how awkward right. you feel. Yeah. Right. And so I think in that case though, like the, what you, your very mature, compassionate stance of saying, well, you have to see where they're coming from. You know, I think it's appropriate in that situation because it's not like he reached out and grabbed me then or something, you know what I mean? Like at, at which point, you know, yep, who they're knows real. what I would have done. Not oh socks. <laughs> but, but, um, uh, yeah. So I think that that approach can be can be okay. And and like in the case of the guy I was dating earlier in the year when I was staying with you, I, I a part of me did want to reach out to him because I know that he's a good person. But I also know that he had really crossed a line with me and made me feel disgusting. 
And he did something I didn't think he was capable of because I got to know him on the phone and in other ways for several hours. And he just, see, I, I had a certain impression of him. And then when he crossed that line, I thought about reaching out to him later and saying from a more mature, compassionate standpoint, you know what, this might be, you know, I just want to help you understand this is maybe the reason why women don't want to marry you. I mean, he's totally. in his late and I feel and like he's... you totally could do that. And I feel like you totally should. Uh, I, I, feel, I haven't. I, I, I think you should at some point. Uh, and because there's a way to do it in, in a way that makes them feel like makes other people feel good about themselves, but still lets them know like, hey, maybe if you change this behavior slightly, you'd have a little more luck with the ladies. You know, um, I think we don't talk to each other enough about things that really actually matter. Um, and it, I think yeah. that's especially true in relationships. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I, I talk to guys and one of sort of the, a famous line of a friend of a friend of ours who says, you know, Rachel is one of the only people you can talk to and tell, she can tell you like, you're, you're doing this, this and this wrong, but make you feel good about yourself. I don't really know how I feel about that, but like, that's something that someone <laughs> that's said. constructive criticism. Yeah. Well, the, that's the, the thing is like, but the thing Most is people like, at it. Like criticism, it's not a criticism against a person. And that's the thing that's so important. Like yeah. this is a criticism about behavior. That's all that it is. It's all, it's all that it is. It's about a behavior. Yeah. It's about like, you know, how you're acting or like the things you choose to say. And all those things can be changed. You know, those are yeah. things that like people can adjust. And, you know, I mean, there are people in the world who are predators and that's a different story. You know, I don't know if Harvey Weinstein is a predator. I mean, maybe so, because it sounds, you know, from these accounts of people that like there, there's some very predatory sorts of sorts of behaviors, um, sorts of experiences and, and uh, interactions that were happening um, with these people. And, but like... I think most people, and I think there's such a fear. I know so many men who really are get scared by this because it's like, oh my gosh, I'm never gonna like touch a, a woman because I'm so afraid that she's gonna think that I'm like whatever, and 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 that's why you know we need to talk about it. Like the reason, part of the reason why I feel like chivalry largely is dead is because one, women, you know, are like I can do it myself. One, and excuse me, um, and or. Um, you know, I don't want to owe you anything. Uh, and mm. because the guys are like, I am scared that she's going to think that she owes me something. You know, there are a lot of good guys that, that don't really, you know, feel like they are owed something when they do something nice. Um, yeah. And I think we should expect that more of people. Well, in 100% of the cases, in my opinion. Yeah. Not just more, but... <laughs> Yeah, well, uncompromisingly, in, a, in you know, in a in a loving way, but like, yeah, I, th I think about, I think about like gigs that we go on and like interactions with people. Like, the you know, emotions are complex things, and they change all the time. And it's important to recognize. I feel like in a moment, someone may say something, yeah, but you're right. There's a big difference between saying and doing. And and I, in my adult life pretty much i mean there have been a couple of experiences that were like burr, burr. but like um i have not been you know physically assaulted um and i'm really really grateful for that um so yeah but yeah but yeah but a lot of people have 
Yeah. Well, and yeah, but I think that the, what lies at the root of the problem is, is simply this. It's, it is a game of domination and, and that's why like women have this ability to, to be appealing to men and to dominate them in a way at the same time once they've but if they use that yeah then they've lost their respect right and so it's it's a very interesting thing because and especially in a in an industry like ours more and more so in these days or like like hollywood where appearance is king you know Mm -hmm. that form that feminine form the ideal this you know model this muse um these women are coming up you know wanting to be actors and and wanting to get a, a foot in the door somehow and this is what they're up against is sort of playing the game and and using what they have to try to get what they want and um you know what what comes to mind it's interesting it's somewhat somewhat related in that it's part of the entertainment industry. But I think about, I never saw that, um, the documentary about the women, the, the young women who go into porn. No, to life be after porn. porn? Actresses. Uh-huh. Yeah. I never, I never actually saw that because I think it would break my heart. Mm-hmm. But people who say, you know, it's, it's just a way to make a living or, well, you know, a years I, anyway. Right. Well, and I saw, and I saw, um, Another show, which I can't remember, it's the British guy who travels around America in his little funny car and looks at different parts of American culture, and it's and it's sort of like a documentary kind of thing. He actually visited the humble town of Pahrump, where I once lived, Pahrump. and Pahrump <laughs> is famous for its brothels because it lies just outside of Clark County, Man, where Las Vegas is. I didn't Vegas know what is. you were going to say, and I was like, what on earth? could Pahrump be famous for? But then you said that, and I'm like, oh, I guess that makes sense. That's right. The Bunny Ranch. Um, oh, so, and this this guy, I wish I could remember his name. I should look him up. Um, but he visited the Bunny Ranch, and he interviewed, and it was like this very professional operation, and all the men who came in had to get a special, what they called a DC, which was getting checked out and make make sure that they didn't have any I think DC means something else in med- medical terms. Uh, well, well, yes. DS. Anyway, don't. Well, anyway, but this in this case it meant dick check, which is, I mean, whatever. <laughs> I think they wanted like a long pause, which is why <laughs> they call it a DC. But anyway, so they make it sound, you know, just like a very professional workplace, you know, where men can come and as long as they pass the DC, they can go and 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 receive services and it's just like you know it's just like any other you know you go to the grocery store and buy milk you know and it's just like oh of course yeah that makes sense but it absolutely doesn't make sense and and I show my my more conservative side actually when I take a stand on something like this but I I believe that it takes a toll on people and it's a toll that's not necessarily you know just like with those those young young women who do porn acting. And again, I haven't seen that film, but I've heard that it just takes a tremendous toll on their lives emotionally, their sense of self-respect and that it's difficult for them to go on. Go on in their lives afterward. Yeah, Yeah. sure. Well, I mean, have you seen it? Life after porn? Yeah. 
I I think I've seen probably bits and pieces of it, but no, I mean, oh. this is something that I, this is sort of one of my, yeah, I, it, it's a difficult thing. But I, it goes back to something that we've talked about, I think on another podcast when we talked about certain actresses that do not wield their feminine uh, charms in a way that is meant to be possessive. Um, and mm. because of that have had more, I believe have had more longevity in their careers uh, because like Meryl Streep, like Meryl, I mean, I mean, Meryl Streep is like, of course, but like, I mean, even like Kate Blanchett, um, is, mm-hmm. is a good, it's, it's interesting. I remember, I remember going to a friend's wedding several years ago and there was a guest at this wedding, a man who was an attractive man. A young man and I remember going up to him and talking with him and he wouldn't really look at me like and I remember looking at him and thinking this man is addicted to pornography uh-huh. and as I talked to him because there was this sense and I and I asked a mutual friend I'm like does he struggle with they're like oh man well yeah I mean he yeah all the time like he you know and because there was such a strong sense of like both wanting and hating at the same time Hmm. and that to me is what sort of basically what happens with pornography is that it it makes you uh want something that is unattainable uh receive some kind of satisfaction but the satisfaction isn't isn't lasting it's not something that actually can satisfy it's something that can sort of satiate for a moment and and so there's this sort of a love-hate relationship with women in general because it's like you provide me with the means of having, you know, some satisfaction, but but it's not sustainable and therefore I loathe you for that. Yeah. Um and and we buy into that that sort of narrative I feel like as a culture by the choices that we make um, in how, you know, how we choose to present ourselves. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm not talking about like wearing a sleeveless dress. I'm talking about like, how, <laughs> how do you wear that dress? Like, yeah. How does that dress wear you? Like I went to, so the other day I went to this performance and there was this woman and she was so beautiful and she had this like emerald green dress on and and it was she was probably in her 70s i would say and her mm. skin was just very clear and smooth and beautiful and her hair was perfectly white and coiffed and she had these lovely earrings on and i remember looking at her and just thinking man that's what i want to look like when i'm like a bazillion years old and <laughs> like but i i remember i remember looking at her and just thinking this woman she holds her age as though it was something that she, that she earned hmm. and and it's something that i think we can as a culture individually and hopefully you know and that can grow that we can do more like Mm. love the life that you have 
earned on your face. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like there was just this, like this, this regal quality and, and, you know, no apologizing for, for the way that she looked and the way that she was. And I was like, man, I want to be like that when I'm old. Like, that's like my goal now is to be like yeah. the, the, the old woman in the emerald dress. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know. Yeah. Um, couple of thoughts. Um, I really like what you said about we're, we're, we're sort of, we're coming to a place in our conversation where we're sort of juxtaposing this consumerist, um, sort of hating it because you want it sort of a sort of idea. And then on the other hand, virtue, integrity, and it being enough and self-respect and, um, you and I, I think, I don't know how many years ago it was now, but we, we started sort of studying, uh, pornography as an addiction and as a part of, of our society, you know, how it's affected, um, young people, especially who've had high speed internet from the time that they were born essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and so access to all kinds of endless variety of pornography and, um, and uh, I I was thinking of this movie, which I I don't don't think you've seen, and I don't think you should see. I don't know. I don't. I wouldn't see it again. Um, it was very disturbing, but at the same time, it's the same theme of um, it's the movie Shame, mm-hmm. and it has a couple of big. Um, Michael Fassbender plays the main actor. role. Ugh. Yeah, he is a great He's actor, and awesome. yeah, and he does great in in this role. Um, and uh, Carrie Mulligan's also in it in a mm-hmm. supporting role. Um, but it's a person who is an absolute sex, sex addict mm-hmm. and just can't, can't really do much more with his life. Like outside of work, he's minimally functional at work. And then once work is over, it's just, he's just pursuing sex any way he can get it, um, with prostitutes online, um, in various forms. And, uh, anyway, it's just, it it shows it it illustrates how that destroys a life, and mm-hmm. I believe that it destroys them from the inside out because um, we're shortchanging ourselves in a way that uh, that undermines our integrity and and what we what we know we deserve, which is to treat ourselves and others with respect. And. Uh, Oh, uh, there was one other thing that well, was along the same lines. It's, it's certainly building an internal prison, you know? Right. Like, and there's never going to be enough. There's never going to be enough for that. Yep. It's never, you're never going to fill that hole. Yeah, real, um, real people and real experiences um, are unpredictable and are ever-changing yeah. much more you than can't control yeah much more than and i think that's that's really part of the thing that we're looking for i think it's yeah something real yeah yeah for sure and that's what that the lady the old lady in the emerald dress yeah man she was all kinds of she was 80 years of real she was awesome i mean awesome and she was probably like five feet tall because i saw her (laughs) i could see her i could see her 
in the main like she was she was in the on the orchestra level and I was up top of course you know because I like to see musicians and also it's cheaper Ta-da! Um, <laughs> but, um, and then afterwards she was waiting at the artist entrance and I saw her and I was just like man that's my goal right there of course I probably won't ever be five feet tall but 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 lots you of could try. The other, I can try never give up just Rachel stoop <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah. You will be regal at your own height. Oh, man. Well, yeah, I, I do. I think about that, though. Like, when, because we've all seen really beautiful old people. And I find it's the people that aren't apologizing. You know, mm. they're the people that, that accept where they are and what they are and, and are enjoying it. And, and I think that that goes, you sort of hand in hand with, you know, knowing vocally, like when we're enough, you know, knowing, knowing when you like today, for example, I, I sang, uh, so I, I attended my first, um, my, my first sort of master class with, um, with a teacher all in German <laughs> and, yeah. um, Yay. yeah. And I sang Tosca today actually. And Felicidarte. and had this really incredible experience um like saying the lord's prayer and 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 sort of coming into the aria from that space and and the teacher said something really interesting that i think sort of goes in line with with a couple of these ideas that we've been discussing today um it was that you know you have to keep your voice in a space of positivity it has to be in a place that is always that is always present and is always equal and is always balanced. And you show the expression of what your character is feeling on your face and in your body and in your movement. And your soul is the orchestra. Uh, and I mm. think that... And, and then he said, if you tell your own story, if you don't sing... Callas's Visidarte in Tosca. If you don't sing, uh, you, you know, the myriad of other, I'm trying to think of everyone that's done it, like, you know, there's nothing new under the sun, right? Like, sex has been and always will be, um, you know, intrigue, lust, uh, denial, loss, all of these things are. But who you are and what you bring to it is always unique. And mm. so you have to have your own perspective. And I think that that, that is, and, and what he said when I, when I, after I performed, he, he, he said to me, when you can make a decision about some of these things, like he's like, when you live your, your story and when you sing as you, the orchestra knows it and they will do anything for you. Like mm. anything for you and I thought about that like it really that really struck me because I I think um I went to a concert the other day where where the orchestra played a piece that was clearly not in their hearts and then another piece that clearly was hmm. and I cried you know I wept because it was 
because it was open and honest and 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 full of um every emotion and you know when um when we share these sorts of experiences with each other and as as an artist like i as i was watching it i i had this question in my mind which was when when do we decide that an audience isn't worthy or when do we decide that um we're not going to give it our all or be all that we are like when do we when do we turn that off is it when they clap between movements because that happened um is it when (laughs) you know is it is it when we make a mistake is it when someone takes advantage of us uh when do we decide to shrink below what and who we are um Mm. as artists and as people and i think the answer is like we have to fully embrace it in order to um you know, it's, it's, it's like that, what does it say? You know, giving, and when, when you know who and what you are and you embrace it, like you are helping other people have the permission to do the same. Yes. Right. And that's sort of, I guess, the main crux of what we've been talking about today is like this whole me too conversation, um, opens up the opportunity to say, you know, me too. And keep going definitely and it's interesting I love I love that I love that you just brought it full circle into you know into what we do what we're what we do as artists and what we're what our focus is on a daily basis um because it's singing is a mirror to our to our lives to our souls right and so the way that we sing what and what we're, how we're approaching um, our art uh, on on so many levels has to do exactly with how we're approaching life and um, I think that you know it's it's unfortunate that that um, Harvey Weinstein used his his power his clout his status um in the industry to convince so many women that they needed to do something you know in order to that they needed to have sex with him or whatever you know um whatever he was asking them to do in order for their careers to thrive um because Obviously, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it did work out for some people. I don't know. I was just, I was just perusing. I got through. I don't even know what. I just was sort of casually perusing. I got through to twenty-one of sixty, uh, Mira Sorvino. But like, there was one Italian actress who actually did sleep with him a couple of times, and she says it was consensual, but she did it because. You know, he gave her the impression that if she didn't, that it would hadn't have an adverse effect on her career. So, um, it's a it's a little bit it's it's interesting. It's 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 one. This is one story. You know, this is one man, and and the sort of infection that he caused. You know, he's sort of this this carrier um, within Hollywood. Uh, but this is. 
it's a part of our culture. It's a part of the web that can interconnects all of us on some level. And so the more, the more that we can become aware. Yeah. And um, the more that we and, can have a conversation in which, you know, we talk to each other about the importance of empowering, you know, our own, our own belief in ourselves to know that no one person is going to be able to make or break you. Yeah. And, and that, and that you don't need to bend your character to take a bow. Yeah. And, and people like you who have young sons, you know, this awareness and these conversations will shape him differently. And he won't be, um, one of these interviews was with Tom Hanks and he said, yeah, I was there in the sixties and seventies too. And it was different then, but you know, it's, we're not in the sixties and seventies anymore and it's not okay. And he's like, he's I think he's four years older than Weinstein or something and he's just like you have to adapt like and you have to recognize you know you you have to show the respect and and um what's crazy is like but you know in the 60s and 70s it was cool (laughs) you're like that was like 50 years ago but you know I'm still on board with it I, I mean just I don't know I guess I just feel like respect you know should never have you know, a time in which it, what it, you know it's okay to be not respectful, but I guess right? that's why we have to understand what respect actually means and and why well, individually people have to speak up about their needs and and what they want or don't want, and yeah. also have a belief in themselves to know that, again, you know, no one can make or break you, <laughs> like right. Well, and this topic is just, uh, I mean, it's still. I feel like we're just barely scratching the surface of this topic hmm. because. Yeah, because it's just it's just such a part of our of the fabric of I mean, of course, what you're saying is true. Like in the 60s and 70s, this was the beginning of the feminist movement. Right. And this was women having their sexual revolution and and women having control. What was that? (laughs) Birth control. Right. Exactly. And this was and this was women having the same. Um, advantages as men uh, in the sexual realm and declaring their independence and and all this you know and this was that was new back then and now that's 40 and 50 years ago and we're in a different place now and do we still have a ways to go for sure we do Um, because we do need to get to that place of virtue and integrity and self-respect and and understanding and then also instead of you know our just our independence our interdependence you know, like yeah. we, we do need each other and like we do give each other things um, that are different than just by ourselves. Right. And yeah, know. but it's it's about sort of inspiring the best in each other. Right. So that our collaboration can be one that is that is mutually uplifting and and, you know, the the creation that comes out of it is something that that helps everybody to feel like they want to be better people. You know, when we put that heart into it and when we, like you experienced at that concert, when you could feel there was heart there and it just made you weep. That's what we want. We want the best of ourselves to be, to be there, to be involved. That's the truth. Yeah. Yeah. (sighs) 
Sounds pretty good. That's probably yeah. a good place to stop, yeah. 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 I think so. That was a I was a little scattered at the beginning. I'm, I apologize, but hey, I was just It's you know, it's fine. I I was gathering my thoughts as we as we talked and I was I, I mean, I was gathering my thoughts beforehand, but I was like, what exactly do I want to say? And I feel like my story was a little bit like a little bit all over the place. <laughs> 